Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to The Happy Vagina, a podcast dedicated to celebrating pioneers in the female space who have made a difference in women's health, equality and relationships. Each week we chat to an inspiring human being as they explore the experiences that completely change their outlook, promising not only to educate but also entertain and enlighten. And today... For our season four finale, you could almost say our Christmas special, we are ending as we began in season one with one of the stars of possibly the best television show ever made in the history of television shows, Sex Education. I am absolutely thrilled to be joined by actress Chenenya Eze-Udu. Chenenya! Welcome to the Happy Vagina podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm very excited. (laughs) I'm so thrilled to have you here. You have firmly established yourself in our psyches thanks to your extraordinary performance in sex education as Viv and just for anyone who's listening that doesn't know what sex education is what is sex education basically a show about a boy and he's just kind of working through life and his mum's a sex therapist um, and they create with Maeve and Otis main characters um, and Shuti Gatwa, um, both of them, well, three of them, they have this sex clinic. And then we have my character who um, is kind of going through a lot. Um, she's the typical nerd, if you if you think um, she's a nerd. I don't think she's a nerd. I think she's just a very determined person. Um, and she's trying to, yeah, make her way through life and understand things that are coming up. And I think the the conversation around sex is always changing. I really love the storyline of Viv. I love the fact that that you actually have a very clear recognition that it's about the sex conversation that comes out of the two young people. Basically, they've set themselves up to be like the kind of the, the oracles of sex. In fact, I think Maeve's had sex, but he definitely hasn't. And they're like the oracles of sex. And that is, that is, that is, I suppose, the core of the show. That's the ongoing through line. But actually, all of your characters have really important parts to play, as important parts to play. It's definitely an ensemble piece of work. And Viv, as you've just touched on, does go through a really revolutionary journey self of self-discovery, I think. And I... I love the fact that you touched on that people say she's geeky, but that you just think she's determined. And I think that's one of the things that I really loved about her as a character, that determination potentially coming from what would be considered a minority background as a young black woman within the school that she is focused on achieving. So that's what I got from her too. And that came out as geekiness. But then, as you said, as she comes through it, she starts to explore intimacy and relationships and 
shame, morality, awkwardness. What would you say of all of those? What would you say was the most interesting for you to explore? Intimacy. On the previous season, I didn't um, do any intimate scenes. It was just very much talking. Um, But this season, she really found herself. She's masturbating. Did I say that really weirdly? Masturbating. No, but I just, I just saw on Instagram recently someone put up master dating, which is when you only date yourself. So I think actually you're ahead of the curve. We master date and we master bait. <laughs> and she does it in like the most insane place in the toilet in France. Um, and I was like, reclaim your pussy girl. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think she's finding her, herself sexually. I don't think we see that um, many storylines about a black woman being an object of desire. Mm. And I'm really happy that this has shown that, um, that that can be true in this world. A black woman is, isn't just the oracle, um, the person that is giving all the information. People want her. She's wanted um, sexually. And I, I love that. Yeah. I do think that very rarely have we seen black women being the object of desire outside of it being a black film you know if it's a film that is about a black community then you get those storylines and 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 for you to be a guiding light for young women coming through one of the things that I've noticed that's different because she has this great storyline where pretty much everyone that's ever watched sex education ever did think that you were going to get together with your best friend Jackson and actually what happens is is that you end up with this like extraordinarily hot boyfriend who's comes in like the kind of like the stranger from the outside and really plants Viv as a whole woman it is a comedy so it's pushing our boundaries of what we have accepted as normal We've all gone, oh, that's normal. We just have to do it like everyone else does. And sex education pushes everything to the extremes so that we can, as a, as a nation or as a community, go a little bit further outside of our comfort zones. As I mentioned, Amy and Tanya came on in season one, episode one, and I felt, and they felt nervous about talking about some of the stuff that was going to be on the show because... It felt like I was maybe exposing them. And what's glorious is how much the... So just coming back to me saying that we push the boundaries of people to go out of their comfort zone. Like the fact that the first thing that you are comfortable as a young actress to come on here and say is that one of your major storylines is masturbating in the toilet. That to me says that sex education is working because you're not nervous about it in the way that they were quite rightly back then. The dial has been changed. Do you feel a responsibility as a woman with the work that you're doing in that space? I mean, I don't feel responsibility, but I feel that it weighs heavy when I'm, um, when I'm acting. I'm, I, I know that this is a big deal, um, so I try my best to represent it accurately. But again, like I think conversations are always moving along and people's attitudes change and sex education is an amazing thing because it opens up um, conversations about sex and we feel more comfortable talking about it. And that's that's why I feel comfortable talking about it. It's good to keep the you and the character separate, but it's also, especially when you're being cast in a part that's age appropriate and it wasn't so long since you were at school, have you found that investigating some of these 
themes around intimacy have enabled you to grow as a young woman? I think it removes any aspect of shame because when we talk about it, we can see it, we can feel it. It's it's all fine. So like the yeah, the conversation around sex is less awkward. Um, and I know sometimes sex ed kind of portrays sex awkwardly, but that's what it is. It's awkward, it's sticky, it's mucky, all of that stuff. It's a it's a great show to um, open up channels of conversation with your parents, your friends, your family, everyone. Just take away the stigma surrounding sex and make it less medieval. <laughs> with the work that I do on The Happy Vagina, although it's not a character... I am quite front-footed about these conversations. And I was I did a panel this week where I was on the BBC talking about the fact that women in the pandemic have got closer to understanding it's very important for them to have an orgasm. And occasionally, after I've done something like that, I go into a bit of a shame spiral. Like I've really noticed, so I don't, I'm not going to stop doing it. But I do still have these thoughts that come into my head of, oh, what if so-and-so sees it? This is really bad. I just want to just want to put my, all my hands in the air. And I'm sharing with you, like, stuff that I'm not particularly proud of. But I do, I'm just acknowledging how deep the shame runs for me as a woman. That, And I tell the voices to go away. I'm like, piss off. You're not welcome in my life. I'm doing good work here. But do you ever have that? Have you like when, especially, I suppose one of the most important questions of this is that I know that you work with intimacy coaches. So are you given tools to cope with those thoughts that might come up? Yeah, definitely. I think I go into a sex scene now. I know that it's going to be a safe working environment. It's going to be a closed set. Our intimacy coordinator, David Thackeray, um, is really amazing. And he comes and he really makes it a dance. And it's a routine rather than it just being like skin to skin contact. It's it's actually just a routine steps. um, And it's there to make everything feel safe. But I'm not sure why there is so much shame in sex. It's such a recreational, like, it's how people are born, <laughs> like, how so we're made. Removing that stigma is just really important, and they definitely do that on set. Um, we have many conversations about sex um, with our castmates, um, and it's not a big deal. And I'm learning to be more open about things, and this show directly affected that. I mean, you don't necessarily need to be talking about sex to everyone all the time like you're in a tv show it's your job but I just wondered whether you take what you've learned in those conversations I'm not talking about what you learn about sex I'm talking about what you learn about being a free human being being free of shame and being able to have open transparent exquisite conversations do you go right I'm going to take that and I'm going to take it into my my little local unit yeah I reclaim my power all the time I think a lot of people um, come up to me now and just are very open about talking about anything. And I'm just like, good for you. Like, let, let's have a, a frank, open conversation about things. Um, and yeah, I think sex, a fine thing to talk about and reclaiming your power is a fine thing to talk about. Anything you want to talk about is cool to me. And yeah, I think there's a power in um, speaking freely about things. Is that a new experience for you that has pretty much come through? Or were you raised like that? Like, have you had 
mentors or adults, people that were doing adulting around you that were encouraging that? Or is this a new thing? I think it's definitely a new thing. I, I, I wouldn't have even dared to talk about sex when I was younger because it wasn't really like um, a thing. We never really talked about it. We never talked about marriage, kids, nothing like that. And now it's just coming to the forefront where, where I talk about things with my friends and it's just like, oh, this is very nice. This is really freeing. Uh, we can talk about how we feel about sex, consent, all of that stuff. Um, and also, like, I watched um, Michaela Cole's I May Destroy You, and I think that was a big thing, uh, talking about, yeah, talking about consent and and all the things that come along with it. Um, and it's just such a muddy area. I think what Michaela did, also what they've done with The Morning Show, is it holds the space for us to really see how we need to be accountable for ourselves as well. You know, because while there are victims and while people are being treated badly and abused, particularly by people in power, whether it be someone who is more sober than you or whether it be someone who's in a position of power at work, there is also in both storylines like the kind of the mirror of what about the people around you and how they looked after you and also how are you looking after yourself are you really treating yourself, you know, God would want you to treat yourself, essentially? Like, how do we really nurture ourselves as human beings to be living in the most tender way towards ourselves as we can? Coming back to sex education, you've mentioned it. I think probably it's the first time ever that I've seen somebody masturbate in a toilet. It was an extraordinary choice on the scriptwriter's part. I absolutely loved it. I think I think it is probably your most pivotal moment. Maybe would you say it's your one of your most pivotal moments? I mean, if the shoe fits. Um, Looking uh... from the outside, so rather like if you, I think that was the moment that Viv became rock and roll. Right? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. I I think it was a moment that will go down in history. <laughs> Just. <laughs> It, it was it was so random when that scene was written. Uh, I was like, oh, okay, she, she's masturbating on the toilet. Fine. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I won't say no. <laughs> I mean, so so can I just tell you that when I was prepping to interview you and like reading all about you and like reading all around the subject, I came across this article because I was like, is masturbation in a public toilet? actually illegal okay I've got to find that out because sex in public is illegal but it's behind a closed door so I was looking and I found this article in my deep dive that um it wasn't it didn't tell me whether or not it was illegal or not what it said that it said here are the top five things you can do in a public toilet if you're bored which was an interesting way to frame it okay so the five things. One of them, obviously, is masturbating. What do you think the other four were? What would you do in a public toilet if you were bored? Um, write. Yes, one. <laughs> okay. Write uh... <laughs> on the walls, specifically write on the walls. Have you ever written on the walls of a toilet, even when you are at school? I haven't. I wasn't that rebellious, um, <laughs> sadly. But I meant writing as in, like, actually just writing your notepad. Oh, okay, so that's only a half a point then, because actually it was right on the walls. You would have written, like, written a letter or written your upcoming script in the loo. Yeah, I, okay. I frequently do that now. <laughs> do you? It's relaxing, it's relaxing. Yeah. I'm not necessarily using the toilet, I'm just sitting down. It's private. See, yes, very private. Maybe, like, getting dressed. They didn't say that one, but that's a good one. And I have changed for so many events in the toilet. 
you do so many things in fact to be honest with you i still do it today i'm like can i use your loo i go in in my jeans and i come out in my black tie ready to go to an event <laughs> ready for work it's like, oh, I guess. <laughs> one day we'll have stylists that do that for us and we'll be like yes i'm just at home waiting for my car while my stylist dresses me but in a now, rolls royce mcdonald's, <laughs> mcdonald's. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. That one wasn't one of yours. Okay, so the other three were take drugs, which obviously we would never do. Oh, wow. Phone someone. On the toilet. Weird. Yeah, someone private. Like if you're at dinner and actually you're not having a nice time, you uh, go to the loo and you ring someone more interesting. I get that. And the other one was cry. That's not fun. Well, maybe it is. It's freeing. It just said if you're bored. It didn't say that they were fun. It just okay. said if you're bored. I mean, <laughs> just so go cry in the toilet. To cry. <laughs> Anyway, I guess, you know, and then and then the fifth one wasn't masturbate, it was have sex. And I suppose if the bathroom or the toilet or loo is somewhere where you go to relieve yourself, then having sex in the cubicle it's is the best probably, thing. Is, is very on brand. It's on brand yeah. for the toilet. <laughs> um, uh, there was a poll as well. The other thing that it said that there was a poll from 2015 this was and I'm always not a fan of polls because who knows who they are so they could have asked like five people so we know stats but I did think it was interesting that 75% of the people are said that they would not have sex in a toilet six were unsure I think due to Viv in sex education it might now be a lot higher of people that were open-minded hopefully um... <laughs> <laughs> there is a, a revolution I think, going on around self-love, sex and pleasure. When you first went to audition for the part of Viv, you obviously did not know they were going to get you to masturbate in the toilet because season <laughs> two, she was... It was different... not in the scripts. <laughs> no, she was, a, she was very focused on her studies. When you realised kind of what you were going to be embarking on, as in playing Viv as someone that was studious and her role was really to hold the space of studying within the show, were you jealous that you weren't being given any sex storylines? I was curious why she wasn't giving any any storylines, like uh, sexual storylines in um, the second season. Because I was just like, oh, well, she's a sexual being too. So when it came to season three, I was really happy that... Um, they made her a 3D woman um, that has these experiences. Because I think we all know a Viv um, somewhere in our lives. And we always think of those people as, yeah, the studious people that, that don't even look at boys. But she's not. She, she looks at boys. She, ha she, wants, she wants love. Um, and I think we all want love. So I'm happy that she, um, she found that. And like the sex um, montage in the beginning of the the episode episode one, I was like, yeah, go go get yours, <laughs> Viv. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was very happy. I was definitely jealous. Like people like doing all the sex scenes. I was like, why can't I do one? I want to experience that. Did you ask for it to go back in, or did they come through and 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 bring that to you? I didn't ask for it, but I think they made a decision that she should be seen in this light. It's interesting, isn't it that. One of the things that we've touched on earlier is around how black women are represented on screen. I love what Laurie's doing. So this isn't a negative, but it is interesting. It's so hard <laughs> to get out of stereotypes, isn't it? It's so hard to get out of 
actually, even in a show that is basically breaking down so many barriers, they they basically did give you a role that we've seen before. Young black woman who's working and studying really hard so that she can have a better life or whatever the thing was that, you know, they were thinking when they first created her. I think stereotypes are very comfortable. It's, it's easy to write, um, but I think in the coming seasons, we're going to learn more about her, is my hope. Um, so she becomes more prominent. Um, but yeah, well, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but um, that's, my, that's my hope. Mm, for me too. I really hope so too. And it, and it feels such an important thing that's happening. One of the things that um, that poll said was uh, underneath it, there were loads of there were loads of comments. And I got to admit, I lost probably half an hour of my life. And someone said, is it acceptable to have to masturbate in public in a public toilet? And the response underneath it immediately was, it's not acceptable. That's why it's enjoyable. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> Taking away the shame. You can do what you want when you want if it's not hurting anyone. If it's not hurting anyone, that's right. Did you struggle at all separating from the character for you playing it or were you always 100% this is a great thing that I want to represent? Did you need to get any help to integrate it into your mind that you were going to be doing that? Really? Um, I think for me, it was... Me and Viv are just completely different people. So when I put on my coat, I know I'm Viv. When I take off my coat, I know I'm me. Um, so all the scenes were pretty simple to do. I, I have this technique where I learn the lines like as much as I can, and then I come on set, and then I forget all the lines, and then I remember it when <laughs> the second uh, take. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, okay, cool, I'm here. And I just really try and play around um on set with with the person I'm filming a scene with and yeah and that's why sex is so fun like we're all the same age kind of roughly um and we just relate to each other so much and being on set is just really fun I know that when Gillian hears you say that we're all the same age she's going to be thrilled yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. me and her are literally the same age it's cool <laughs> <laughs> I think both of us are really excited about the uh, revolution that is that is that is happening, particularly for women around sex. And you know, a show like Sex Education probably couldn't have existed ten years ago. And there is so much about equal rights at the moment. People have found a voice that is kind of unstoppable, and I think that's partly to do with social media. Like, there's been revolutions by people that are being oppressed or by a minority groups in the past but then they can get squashed down because of the control of the press but at the moment because we all have access to a platform where we can make our voices heard there's something very different going on but Laurie Nunn the writer of your show has said that we must be very wary of believing that we're living in sort of a liberal utopia and and I found this with the happy vagina that I'm constantly trying to think, okay, so I've got this community of people that are in, but what about the people outside? And, you know, in America at the moment, they're trying to overturn Roe v. Wade, which is the legislation that means that women in America can have abortions. Uh, in India, women are still asked to leave their community, whether it be 
their local community, not allowed to pray, not allowed in the kitchen, not allowed to study when they're on their menstrual cycle. In Asia, two million baby girls still go missing every year. And I share those very loud and shocking facts because I think Laurie's right. You know, while we're here celebrating everything that Viv is doing for young women coming through, I do think that it's important that we continue to understand that the work here is is not finished yet. And, you know, while sex education can play a fundamental role, we need to move outside of that and talk about what still needs to be done in reality. So coming back to the conversation around around sex and, and black women and the objectification of black women to be a certain thing, what do you think outside of Viv still needs to happen in that space? I think the portrayal of black women needs to change. Um, and when that does change, we can have a conversation. Because if we keep on seeing the same kind of black women, the same tropes, it just continues forever and we can't get past that. So we need to have more black writers, black writers, black, black artists that are shaping the way we see black women in a true and fair way. And that's the only way you can tr- um, change things, I think, um, in terms of representation. Yeah, and like have an open and frank dialogue about what it is to be a black woman in 2021. And of course, we can't negate the like our history. Um, and it's not to say that we can't keep on doing things from back then, like the different tropes, but I think it always needs to be elevated. We need to see um, modern black women on screen living a full life um, and representing everyone. We're going to take a very quick ad break. And before we do, I wanted to let you know that this podcast was produced in association with Albright, the leading career network for women. Got a mission, a five-year plan, or an outrageous dream? Albright will have your back. They had mine. Visit www.albrightcollective.com to join their free community today or download the Albright app available in the App Store. Albright, a global sisterhood for ambitious women. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss.
I was listening to an amazing programme, which was actually a couple of years old on Radio 4 yesterday, which was about the work of August Wilson and how he basically was one of the first black writers that was able to bring black culture into the national mindset in America. For you as a young woman living, you live in London, and um, on, a, on a daily basis for you, so in, outside of the arts, what are some of the experiences that you're still having that you feel like this is happening because of the colour of my skin and it's not okay anymore? Yeah, I remember going to this event and after we'd finished speaking, the photographer asked us for a picture and I was like, okay, cool. And then I uh, did like a peace sign and then she was like, no gang signs, please. And I was like, this is not a gang sign, this is a peace sign. Wow. And I was just like, okay, well, this is... And, and it's weird because the conversation was about diversity and all of that, and that happened to me. And I, I remember just, like, looking at Laurie and being like, that was weird, wasn't it? And then she was like, that was weird. So it's just these little microaggressions that keep on happening, I hope, in the future, that those kind of get stamped out. But it's definitely a, a thing. And I think that was, like, one of my first experiences with microaggressions that I saw, like, plainly. But those things have happened for all of us in different formats all of our lives as women. We are essentially so outside of, you know, the racism that exists at a very unconscious, subconscious and conscious level in the UK. I'm not sure who Boris Johnson asked whether institutionalised racism existed last year and they said it didn't, but that was a weird moment and not true. But um, but outside of that, I think as women, we, we have to face microaggressions on, on a day-to-day basis. And just this week, really excitingly, same government, Boris, are going to make it law that you can no longer verbally sexually harass someone on the street, whistling, walking, following you down the street and like going, yeah, they want to talk to you will be illegal. I'm not quite sure how we're going to police it. That is a huge change. And coming back to sex education, the storyline in season two, the bus storyline, where the person on the bus is actually physically sexually aggressive with Amy's character. Did you feel that that whole storyline was going to have an impact on the nation's mentality that it did? Did you realise really what you were doing? Not at the time, I think we all kind of knew this was an important scene. I remember it being my last day of filming, so it was quite emotional um, just to sit up there on the bus with these girls that I've built such um, a strong bond with. But seeing the impact of the scene has honestly been, like, outstanding and amazing, um, how much it's affected people. And, and it also shows how many people have gone through this. And women are are in danger a lot of their, of their life just purely because they're female and they're kind of a target for men's bad behaviour. Um, but yeah, I didn't know that it was going to be such a big thing. I think she won a bath for it, didn't she? Happy days. <laughs> yeah. What do you think needs to happen for your generation to maintain these changes that are happening? Because there is always the potential... So you've mentioned culturally and, and, and people of colour needing more writers. So more people who are actually creating art that then integrates your different cultures into 
British culture, even though it is British. Um, you know, but but in terms of like as a as a young woman with your peers, what do you think needs to happen to maintain these changes? Um, I think conversations keep on talking. Again, like the our sexual vocabulary keeps on changing. So if we keep on having these conversations, everything will make sense in the end, I hope. Um, but yeah, definitely conversations. That's a brilliant answer. I think just continuing to talk. One of the things that you're quite vocal about in your storyline, coming back to sex education, the most recent series, trying to make sure that non-binary humans or get their voices heard. How did you feel about working within that space? Yeah, I thought it was a, it's amazing to see non-binary people get a, a safe platform to express themselves. And working with Dua in particular was great. Um, they're such a great actor. But it's interesting, like, again, like, changing language. I have to watch my language. I'm just like, I'm changing what I say. I know. Um, which <laughs> rightly so. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's those kind of conversations that are always changing. Um so I have to be wary of people now, um, which is a good thing, like um, pr- bringing people to the table. Mm. Um, yeah, but Dura was, was great to work with. Um, so hopefully next season, their storyline will be bigger and better. Mm. Because we've just touched on misogyny and sexism, essentially. And there is a movement towards allowing non-binary gender do you think that the future would be a place where gender won't be as important anymore? Like, would that be for you? Would the ultimate goal be that we move beyond stereotypical gender conflict and gender is no longer an issue? I don't know. I, I just think that I'd want a world where everyone is comfortable in their own skin and they can be whatever they want to be without being chastised um, or or hurt because of it. But yeah, I don't know what the future looks like. It's always changing. It could we could be in the crypto world and NFTs, like, you know, it's everything's evolving all the time. But I am happy to sit back and watch. Mm. I really hope, quite selfishly, that women continue to have their corner. And that that actually I I there's so much there's so much healing to be done between the different genders and I and I want that and I love it but I really hope that we don't become uh erase it erase yeah. femininity and stuff like that yeah, yeah yeah I love women I love women I love, yeah you don't, know? don't we all like yeah what was that Drake line um what was it I'm a lesbian too did he he said I'm that obsessed with him. yeah he did he definitely did Drake said it in one of his songs I was just like you're great. <laughs> I like Drake too, actually. I really like his work kind of in the spiritual space. He's always integrating his music into connection to like a higher power. I think it's really important. He's always got that underlying God consciousness. I'm a fan. The other thing that you've used your voice for, Shenanya, is to speak out about what is described as body positivity and acceptance within the body space. I believe from interviewing Stephanie Yeboa on season two that actually body positivity was a movement that was started by black women. Um, And then it kind of got stolen by a lot of plus size 
everything. We steal everything from you is one of my favorite signs in the Black Lives Matter. As you know, sorry, it's not my favorite. It doesn't make me happy, but you know, you love our culture, but you don't bring us. And there is, you know, that, that, that is, that, that's the truth. Probably. Yeah. Every single advertising campaign, every single fashion often comes from, it's not, it's not just black culture, but it will often come from a poorer culture or an edgier place of life. One of the things that you've spoken about is about body acceptance and body positivity. Is that something that you feel is important for you to advocate for? I think it's important for everyone to love the skin they're in. And I think self-love is something that we all have to work on um, individually um, and really not give in to social media um, telling you that this is the right weight to be, this is not the right weight to be. The right weight to be is what you are, you know. Um, a bikini body is just a body <laughs> that can go on a beach. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, just being positive about you, working on yourself, um, and making sure you're at optimum health is it's important. That's so beautiful. Are these things that you've been given these ways of thinking that you've been given by your family or have you had to come to these understandings via your peer group and the work that you're doing now as an actor? I think it's um, definitely like my peers having conversations around body positivity um, and also I read a lot of quotes um, and I'm just like I take them in mind and just try to to really put that in my life um, and try to work with them. Um, Me too. Yeah. They're yeah. really actually, do you know They're what? Good. Sometimes all you need is like a quote, a quote for you to have like, a good oh. week's worth of like thinking Absolutely. better about yourself in the exactly. world. Exactly, and just thinking about the future and it's just like, oh, you know what? There, I can see the rainbows um, over the hill and I'm walking there. <laughs> um, yes. Slowly. <laughs> yes. Um, that's not a quote, but I quite like that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Watch out, watch this space. I'll send it to you on a tile <laughs> on the Instagram. <laughs> Please do. Um, yeah. I'll make it. <laughs> I mean, one of the things that is happening in the space of acceptance around body positivity is that it is now becoming about body neutrality. And I think that, like all good movements, it's gone from we need to really love our bodies exactly as they are to let's stop putting the focus on our bodies as women. Like, what is the next step of it to go beyond like every size is is okay and to stop being pressurized into being thin or in some cultures large, actually, because it depends on where you are in the world. But like, when do we just start really deeply saying that our bodies are just a machine, not just a machine, a phenomenal amazing god-given machine that allows us to function would you be interested in kind of advocating that a new body neutrality i don't i don't know if i'd want to advocate anything i i i, I love that and... <laughs> oh, i love that you just said that <laughs> i'm just gonna just chill over here um <laughs> the most important thing is health that, that's all you have in life if you take care of your body your body takes care of you and you can keep on going because without health you're you're not alive <laughs> and you're not living a, a, a good life I think um so I think being too thin or too too whatever it is if you're healthy you're healthy yeah. and just keep on walking yeah 
I love that. And I love that you're refusing to be an advocate for anything, but I really, really love what you've just said. So unfortunately, without even trying, you have a voice of reason and inspiration. So, you know, thank you for saying that. In your essay that you wrote, I created my own story. You do say something very moving, unsurprisingly, about wanting to go back to your I feel really emotional. It's always a fucking moment when I, it's me thinking about myself, but wanting to go back to your younger self and thank her for being so courageous. Can you say a bit more about that? I think the younger me was very, is very outgoing. Um, I love that she saw the world from a different angle um, and she was unique and she would approach anyone she never saw people on a different like level than her. She'd just go out and get what she wanted. Um, and yeah, she's, she was just so like courageous and she knew what she wanted and she knows what she wanted. And I, I, I tell her to keep on going, um, jump and the net will appear. Um, is one of the quotes I love. Um, and she's definitely done that. And that's why I'm in the situation that I'm in now, because she's done all those steps. And she hasn't, she didn't um, take anyone's negativity around her that said that she couldn't be in the industry that she wanted to be in. She blocked all of those voices um, and just kept on going. And she never gave up. So love you, Chin. <laughs> I had people tell me that I shouldn't, following my path and my dreams in the entertainment industry. And actually, I just interviewed Nicola Adams, the boxer, as I mentioned at the beginning, and, and she had a very clear, visceral, umbilical kind of like desire to be a boxer. May have come from some childhood trauma as well. Like, who knows why we choose these things? But she had a coach that if you watch her documentary, Lioness, the coach who's still around today from her early years said, I didn't tell her she couldn't. And I thought I had loads of people tell me I couldn't. And it can be really damaging, can't it? It can be like, I, but for me, I never had a plan B. I never, never had a fallback. So I knew that this was going to be what I wanted to do. But I think people's fear, people's like, um, yeah, fear comes from the fact that they don't know this is not a very like sustainable industry that we're working in. It's really hard to be in. So I get that but I don't endorse that negativity and, and look at us now. We're here and we're fine. I'd rather be doing a job that I love than a job that I hate. Also, fear. Thank you for bringing up fear. It's, um, it's so corrosive and it gets handed down to us. So, and we are, you know... I've talked about it a lot. My grandmother was an Irish working class immigrant who lived in a council house. So in a way, you could say that she had some real fears. I mean, in God's eyes, probably she didn't. She was fine. If you open your mind wide, you know, then it's okay. But on a day-to-day -day level, sometimes these get passed down from the grown-ups around us. They don't mean to, but they can just say the one little thing. And if you're an actor or a writer, or a filmmaker, or a singer, song, singer-songwriter, or whatever, it, and that's your calling, it's likely you're sensitive, because that's really what we need to be. 
to do this work. And so someone saying one small thing can really tip the apple cart and you take it in and you're like, well, I shouldn't be doing it. Was there a, is there any moment from your, your youth, considering you're like so old now, (laughs) your younger younger years where someone said something to you of that nature that you remember it really impacting you and you had to fight really hard to overcome it? Yeah. I mean, I think when I was working, um, at, when I was working, um, at like a normal job, um, I remember like a friend of mine, a good, a good friend of mine being like, you haven't got any work yet. Like, what are you doing? Um, maybe you should consider going back to university. Maybe you should do that. And I really had to, I really had to think. I was, I, I spent a whole day being like, wow, that and that was coming from a friend. Mm. Um, but then I was just like, I don't imagine myself doing anything else. I work all of these jobs to get where I want to, to be and I will be happy at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, it was hard. It, it was really hard and it kind of made me evaluate off our friendship. And I was like, do I want this negative, like, negativity in my life? Yeah, she's putting her fear on you. So yeah, I removed that um, and I just kept on going. I was like, fuck that opinion. I don't respect it, so I won't listen to it. <laughs> um, and yeah. It was, a, it was a hard day, but we move. <laughs> so important to surround ourselves with people that really believe in us. You've mentioned that you love a quote, me too. Uh, were there, are there or were there any other ways or things that you draw on for inspiration in the face of rejection, disappointment or role models that you looked up to? everyone around me kind of became a role model, my mentors, my friends. Um, I, I surround myself with like really creative people. And um, it's it's nice because we do our self tapes together. We uh, rehearse together. Um, their failures are our failures, our failures are their failures. And we really feel it when they they get the role. And if they don't get the role, it's like, oh, we're, we're really there with them. Um, so it's nice to have that circle of support. Um, and it really does make a difference. Um, and it makes you believe that you can keep on going in this industry. Yeah, I think having having good friends around you, mentors, is just so important. Um, and people that you can just talk about, talk to frankly about where you are, where you're at right now. And whether it be like, you know, I'm feeling really shit right now. I haven't got an audition in in months. I'm thinking about leaving my agent. I'm thinking about wh- whatever you're thinking about. Having someone to be like, I've gone through that. It gets better because it does get better. Like situations don't remain the same. It can't. And to surrender into uncertainty. I think, you know, those are really fantastic tips for anyone wanting to walk in your shoes. But I think the deepest fear the deepest fear that human beings have is that we don't know what's going to happen. So then we create these lives that stop us from being open-minded and we lock our lives down so that we think we know. I mean, if anything, the last two years with the dreaded pandemic has taught us we don't know what's going to happen. And if you can just adjust your mindset to be okay with uncertainty, then actually the rejections and the disappointments just become part of the day-to-day living rather than too much attachment. I guess worrying is like little prayers to the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're just putting so much energy into to thinking what could go wrong, whether like and not thinking about what could go right. 
that this could this could happen like opening yourself up to something amazing like yeah I, I mean just walk that tightrope and you might not fall who knows what's on the other other side I really believe that you know I really really believe I'm not sure that I believe we it's a, a kind of x plus y equals z as in that if we that manifesting but I do and some it just doesn't come in the way you think it's going to come I think you can't manifest exactly what you want. I, there's many things I've thought that I wanted to manifest and they've come in other ways. But I think just adjusting the thought process from being a negative one to a positive one, which we do understand if you're struggling with depression can be hard. But if you're not in the midst of a depression or a depressive episode, then just making sure that your prayers are asking for what you do want rather than what you don't want, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shanania, exactly. it's been so amazing speaking to you. We're running out of time. Tell oh, me, no. it's so clear that you're, you know, you're every single bit of your being is an actor and that, that, that this world is your passion. What what have you got coming up that you can share with us that you're excited about? I just filmed something with Paul Feig called School of Good and Evil. Um, and then I, I'm just about to wrap um, another project um called silent raw doing some writing which is really fun um and trying to develop it um which i didn't know that took that like, takes a long time such a long time so fuck it now i just give me the fucking thing uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah yeah i'm focusing on writing right now and um and seeing what happens with covid because i don't know what's happening I know we're not. We might not be hugging anytime soon. Exactly. Are you writing stage, television, or film at the TV, moment? TV, 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 and film, um, which is really fun. Which is really fun. Yeah. I am absolutely thrilled that you are being one of those people that you said we need, which is that you are a black young woman who is creating a space to be a writer, which really will change the dial for women. For everyone, for all humans, it's not even, you know, it's not actually about, it is about race and gender, but it's not. This is good for everyone. This helps all human beings. I've got a question. I have got a question before the last question, the traditional. When, not even will, when are Jackson and Viv going to get together? <laughs> Next season, episode two. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> No, I don't know. I, I, I we, we hopefully we get together. I think it's a it would be a full circle moment. Spoiler! It would be like a love triangle. <laughs> manifesting, manifesting, manifesting. It's out there. It's out there. About to lava. No. <laughs> Wrong spell. <laughs> oh, my final question: What makes your vagina happy today, Shlenya? Consent. It's sexy. That is definitely a quote from uh, Bob the Drag Queen, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. That was from him. But yeah, consent, it's sexy. Tell me why. It, you need consent. Like, you can't just do what you want to, to another person, right? What does consent look like for you? Agreeing to do something um, and having that verbal um, agreement that's what it looks like to me but it's hard because there's so many layers to yeah. consent yeah um, that's okay yeah but that's what it looks like to me what makes your vagina happy oh my god <laughs> i cannot believe you've just done that no one's ever asked me well i get sent quite a lot of vibrators 
having oh. a, a, a podcast called The Have a Vagina. So Fun. they know who they are, the people that send them to me. <laughs> <laughs> Not sponsored. <laughs> no, the thing that makes my vagina the most happy today, Jenya, is having... Oh, God, I'm going to fucking cry again. Is, is that through the loss of my mum to ovarian cancer, I have carved out a space to have a voice for women which I'm very proud of, but also specifically around pleasure, that being able to share with women who didn't know, for example, that the G-spot is actually part of the clitoral network, which is something that is now becoming quite widely known. It's that, you know, if you Google it, it's in the press, but being able to share that with someone, I quite regularly post it on the Happy Vagina feed, your G-spot, and your clitoris are the same thing. And it's like, every time I post it, I still get about 100 DMs from people going, what, eh? What? what? Uh? And then I explain to them that it's the, you know, the, the, the clitoral urethral complex and that it goes back through the wall. And, and, I, and that makes me deeply, deeply happy as a woman to be sharing with other women and any human who's interested that pleasure has been ignored and that, actually there's a real liberation that can happen if you start to understand your body better and I if that if that's all I do in my life my work here is done so we're a good tag team you can do consent I'll do orgasms <laughs> it's like team me <laughs> dream team <laughs> yes 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 I don't know what we'll give Amy and Tanya and George and Alex Fox who also has been on the show thank you so much for giving us your time today I've loved everything you've said it's been really inspiring and I know that our community is going to be ecstatic to hear from you and I really hope that that your fans are going to hear a, a new layer of Chinanye hopefully <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much bye I'm Mika Simmons. That was Chenenya Eze Udu. This is the Happy Vagina podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next season. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.